I did this last night, and I really think I'm going to kind of just go the same direction I did last night. I had, we're doing a series on being equipped, but I'm going to, I'm going to put this aside tonight or today. Uh, last night during worship, the Lord just gave me a, a, a scripture, and, and we went a direction last night, and I really feel like that we're going to go the same direction today. So I want you to hang on to this, and um, my plan is that we'll come back to this next week, and we'll talk about uh, being unified, because it's a very, very important topic. But I just, uh, I just feel like that the Lord has something else that He, he wants to to speak to us. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to talk about trusting the Lord today. Now, remember the scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And this is not, you know, this is just a very small part of, of, of what God could reveal to us. This Bible is not exhaustive of the revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's absolutely sufficient in all that we need here in this earth to, to receive a revelation and to enter into a, a life relationship with Jesus Christ. John in his gospel said, if, if, if all the things that Jesus said and Jesus did would have been recorded, the world would not be able to contain those. Now, before we do anything else, can we do something here? Can we just introduce a little mercy? I mean, I'm walking here and I see those little feet sticking up there. Now stand up, Dad. Come on. And come on, Mom. Stand up. Come up here and let's show this baby off. Hello. How old is she? Almost four. Nine and a half weeks. Nine and a half weeks. <laughs> and she's a good baby, isn't she? she is. Yeah. And she was dedicated a couple of weeks ago, right? Yes. Praise God. And there's Grandpa and Grandma. Y'all stand up there. I'm just going to embarrass the whole family. Praise the Lord. <laughs> There's aunt and uncle. <laughs> what would you be? You'd be a uncle. <laughs> Praise God. So we just welcome little Mercy here for her first time. And no, it won't be your last. And we're just excited. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this child. God, I love children because children remind us of the newness of life that you are the author of life. God, there's so much death and destruction all around us, but God, you also have put new life in front of us every day. And Lord, children, remind us of that. And Father, we just thank you for a little mercy. We thank you for Tim and for Jenna and, Lord, the family that you've given them in this beginning, Father, of great things that you have in store uh, for this family. And Father, we just bless them. We bless this child. We thank you, Lord God, that we will get to be a part of this child's life, we'll get to see her grow up and do the great works that you have prepared for her. We bless this father, we bless this mother in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't God good? I want to know where she got those boots because I kind of like those. 
Thank you, Lord. You know, children, children are an interesting lot to watch. You've noticed how trusting children are. I think about, I think about this with a lot of things. Um, why are children so trusting? You know, they're, they're trusting just, I mean, they haven't experienced anything that would cause them not to trust. And, and I think that's why Jesus told us that we need to become like little children. You know, we have all kinds of reasons why we, we don't trust God or why we find it difficult to trust God. And most of those reasons go back to why we can't trust man. Usually, when we have a hard time trusting God, it's because man has somewhere, somehow let us down. And because man has violated our trust, because man has let us down, we, we transfer that lack of trust to God. Because, let's face it, if we can't trust people that are right before us, that we can touch and, and, and feel and handle, then how am I going to trust in this God that I can't see, that I... If I'm really honest, you know, I might even say I don't even really know if he's there or not. But yet God calls us to trust. God calls us to faith. And there is no other way that we can come to him except by faith. There is no other way for us to enter into life except by faith. You can't earn it. You know, we just talked about giving. You can give everything you have. But your giving is not going to gain you any favor with God. Your giving is not going to bring you into life. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't lie your way into heaven. You can't cheat your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. The only way we can come to life is by faith in Jesus Christ. And in, in Genesis chapter 22, we see the account of Abraham. Abraham taking his son Isaac to the mountain. Now, Abraham was, in Genesis 12 is where we first encounter Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, the scripture says that God called Abram out of his homeland and told him to go to a, a country, a land that, that God would show him. And so Abram begins this, this journey. And he goes and he finally comes to the land of his inheritance. And along the way... God made some promises to Abram. And the promise specifically was that he was going to make Abram a great nation. That he was going to give him descendants. And Abram, in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside, and he said, Look toward heaven, count the stars if you're able, so shall your descendants be. So it goes on, and Abram goes on this journey, 
In another place, God says, look at the sand. If you can count the sand, that's the number of your descendants. And so God said, your descendants, Abram, will be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the earth. That You won't be able to count them. And he said this to a man who had no heir, who had no child. And so God made this promise to him. I want to show you something else God told Abram. It's in Genesis chapter 17, verse 10. So he makes this promise of children. He makes promise of a, of a land, of an inheritance. And he says in verse 10, This is my covenant which you shall, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And so he goes on in verse 13. He says, My covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. Now understand this, church, that God is speaking to Abram here. He's speaking to Abraham, and he's showing him, he's telling him something that is speaking of something that is to come. Everything that he's telling him is is not just an immediate promise for an immediate fulfillment, but It was much greater than that in that God was speaking of something something that would come after this. And go to to Galatians chapter 3. I know I'm taking you a few different places, but just bear with me. Remember there was a seed promised. And here in Galatians chapter 16, here's what. Paul says, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, Genesis 12, 3 is the reference there, to your seed, who is who? Who is Christ. I want you to understand that the promised seed was Christ. And that God was telling Abraham, he said, I will make you a nation, a father of many nations, and I will give you descendants. And there will be a seed, a promised seed. And that seed is Christ. And he he caused Abraham to enter into this covenant. And he said, you need to be circumcised. There needs to be a cutting away of your flesh. Go to Colossians. I want you to see what, that what God spoke to Abraham was not just for Abraham, but it was speaking of something that would be fulfilled in Christ, the promised seed. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In Him, Christ, you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, By putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is the circumcision of Christ? It's the cross. It was at the cross that the flesh was cut away. That the flesh 
was taken away. The law was weak in this, that it could not deal with the flesh, Paul said in Romans. And so God sent his son in the flesh to deal with sin in the flesh, and he dealt with it on the cross. And that's why the scripture speaks of the circumcision not made with hands. That's why when the church was birthed and Paul began to preach to the Gentile nations, everybody that wasn't a Jew, they weren't circumcised. And the Jew says, oh, you guys have got to get circumcised in order to really be saved. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Christ is our circumcision. When we are crucified with Christ, the flesh is taken away. All of that was speaking of our reality and our life in Christ. Do you see that, church? That God wasn't just telling Abraham things for his day and his time, but God was speaking of things that were to come. Those were shadows and types, but Christ Paul said in Colossians, Christ is the substance. Now go back to Genesis. And so, God makes this promise to Abraham. But God doesn't immediately fulfill the promise. And so Abraham decides he's going to take matters into his own hand. And, the, and, and, and at the age of 86, guess what happens? Isaac is born. I mean, uh, Ishmael is born. And Abraham and Sarah had this plan that they were going to help God's plan come to pass. Have you ever done that? Have you ever known that God's given you a promise? You've got the word of the Lord and you've got a promise from God, but you're, you get impatient because you're tired of waiting. You don't see how it's going to happen in the natural because after all, Abraham was getting old. His wife was old. They were too old to have children. So we got to figure out how we're going to help God out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? God, I'm going to help you out here. I think I've got a plan that can make your plan come to pass. Don't do that. Because you're, you're just going to get in worse trouble and, and make a bigger mess of things. But that's what Abraham did. And so at the age of 86, Ishmael is born. And guess what God says? Sorry, that wasn't my plan. That was your plan, but it wasn't my plan. You might have thought it was a good plan, but it wasn't a God plan. And there is a big difference besides just having one too many O's. There's a huge difference between a good plan and a God plan. We don't need any more good plans. See, the church is all about, everybody's got a good plan. I've got a good plan for this. I've got a good plan for that. You can go to any church on any given Sunday and hear people talk about all the good plans that they have. But I'm wondering, God, when are we going to get some God plans going? Because we don't need any more good plans. We need God's plan is what we need. And I'm telling you what, church, God's plan is very simple. Here are the instructions. Trust me. Trust me. But, but, but God, no, 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 no buts, just trust, but, but God, you, no, 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 I, I don't need to hear anymore, I'm telling you, trust me, can you imagine what Abraham must have been thinking, but, but God, how am I going to have a kid, I'm getting old, and you know, time's ticking, man, come on, God, I know, let's help God out, no, let's not help God out, let's let God do what God's going to do, and so Isaac is born, I mean, Isaac finally comes. Isaac is born. 
And at 99, God comes to Abraham and he said, I'll tell you what, he said, a year from now you're going to have a baby. And he laughed and Sarah laughed. But it all came to pass. He changed both of their names because he went from being Abram to Abraham and he now was the father of many nations, though he only had one son. Now let's go, here we are at verse at chapter 22. So now Isaac is here. Think about all that Abraham has gone through. He had his own plan. It wasn't God's plan. He waited all of these years. Finally, the promise came. He finally got his heir. And now, guess what God wants him to do? Chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. You notice how God threw that in there? You think Abraham didn't know that Isaac was his only son? Do you know that, do you know that, that actually Abraham had another son? Do you see what God said? At this time, Abraham has two sons. He's got Ishmael and he has Isaac. But do you notice what God says? Take your son, your only son. Because there was only one son of promise. I'm not saying God didn't love Ishmael. He, he blessed him. He made promises to him. But there was only one son that God recognized, and that was Isaac. Because there was only one son of promise. The other son was a product of the flesh. He was, it was not God's promise. It was not God's plan. And so God says, take Isaac, your only Son. In other words, he's telling Abraham, this is the son the promise will come through. Remember, Abraham, when I took you out and I said, look at the stars, look at the sand, and I said, through this promised son that I'm going to bring to you, through the son I'm going to bring to you, your descendants will be like the stars and be like the sand. God is reminding him right here, Abraham, this is the son of promise. All that star stuff and all that sand stuff and father of many nations stuff. It's this son that that's going to come through. But what I want you to do right now, Abraham, is take him and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now how would you like to be on the receiving end of that word of the Lord? Are y'all getting too spiritual on me here? See, we can't, we can't imagine what that must have been like. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what Abraham must have been thinking. You think he thought, well, God, this seems a little contrary to what you've been telling me all of these years. First you say, you're giving me this promise, and I'm going to be the father of many nations. Now you're telling me to, to kill the promise. But I want you to see Abraham's response. See, the Bible doesn't say Abraham had questions, but I, I don't think it would be possible for him not to have questions. See, the, the, the point is, church, is not whether we have questions or not. The point is, are we going to obey in the face of our questions? See, I'm talking to you today about trust. And God is calling his church to trust him. And we're living in days and times now. We need to discern the times that we're living in. 
And we're living in a time now where all that we have put our trust in, a lot of that has just kind of fallen away. For a lot of people, what they've put their trust in is dissipating, is being diminished. A lot of people say, the devil's trying to steal from me. Maybe he is. Or maybe God is allowing us to come to a place where all of those things that we've put our trust in, that we felt so comfortable with, so secure with, maybe God's bringing us to a place where we won't have those things anymore and we will be forced to look to him and only to him. Personally, I don't think that's a negative message. If, if God brings us to a place where we have no choice but to trust in him and only him, I think that's a pretty positive message, actually. Because if we have deceived, if we have deceived ourselves into thinking that I can trust anything else, I, I'm believing a lie. What's good news about that? What's positive about that? I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. Do you know there were a lot of people in the last year that had a lot of money in their bank account, and one day it was there, and one day it was gone. And it doesn't really matter. We're not going to take it to heaven with us anyways. It has no value in eternity. God wants to get us focused on, pointed toward the only thing that does have value, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. And so here is Abraham with his only son, the son of promise. And God says, take him and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't even sleep late. He didn't hit snooze. I mean, he got up. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, not an accident, what day did Jesus raise from the dead? It was on the third day. On the third day, he came to the mountain of which he was going to offer his son. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said, look at this to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I the young man and I will go yonder and worship and we will be back. We will be back. I'm talking to you today about trusting the Lord. Do you trust God? Oh, it's easy to trust God when everything is the way we want it to be. It's like, like Matt Redman's song, when the, the sun is shining down and the world is all it's supposed to be. Man, we can say, blessed be the Lord. But what happens when we're in the valley? What happens when we're in the desert place? What happens when the promise God gave me seems to be stripped away from me? What happens? Do we make excuses? Do we justify disobedience? Or do we have enough faith to simply trust and obey? Abraham trusted and he obeyed he took the wood for the burnt offering verse 6 he laid it on Isaac his son he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together verse 7 but Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father and he said here I am my son 
Then he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse 8, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Do you think Abraham believed that? Oh, I believe he did. Do you think Abraham went up on that mountain in doubt, or do you think he went up on that mountain in faith? Do you believe Abraham knew something as he was going to that mountain? I believe he knew something. I believe that's why he could say with absolute certainty, we will come back to you. Did he know what was going to happen? I don't think he did know what exactly was going to happen. But let's look. Let's continue on. He says, God will provide, son, a lamb for himself. Then, verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him upon the altar and upon the wood. Now, he, he, he builds an altar, he puts the wood around the altar, he binds up, he ties up Isaac. The scripture doesn't tell us what Isaac is doing right now. It does not tell us what Isaac is doing. Now, remember I said that all scripture speaks of Jesus. This word, from, even in this story right here, it's, it's giving us a revelation of Christ. It's speaking of things to come. Hold your place there and go with me to Luke. Luke chapter 2. Now, it doesn't say Isaac was kicking and screaming. It doesn't say Isaac was, was resisting. On the third day, God took, God had Abraham take the son of promise. In that son, Isaac, was the promised seed. You understand that? There was one seed promised, that is Christ. And that seed was in Isaac. And that seed would be in Jacob. And that seed would be in Judah. And that seed would pass down, it would be in David. And you can follow the genealogies in the Gospels of Matthew and, and you can see, in, in Luke's gospel, you can see the lineage. That seed was passed down biologically through Mary. But that seed was in Isaac. Look at, look at Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, it gives the account of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his parents. And it goes on and it says they celebrated the Passover. And it says that when the days were finished, they returned back home. Look at verse 46. Now so it was that after three days, what happened was they realized Jesus wasn't with them. They didn't know where he was. And for three days, they looked for him. Now, after three days, 
Where did they find him? They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who had heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And so they were, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Look at Jesus' response. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus said that on the third day when they found him. Jesus was in the temple and he said, why did you seek me? He said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Now I want you to look. Then it says, it says right after that, I'm sorry, I just turned my page back. It says right after that, what did Jesus do? They didn't understand what he meant. Verse 51, then he went down with them and, be, and came to Nazareth and was subject, was obedient to them. Jesus knew why he was there. At 12, he understood he was there for his father's business. But he went back to Nazareth and he became subject to, obedient to his parents. Isaac is the promised son. In him is the seed. And I believe Isaac subjected himself to his father's will. Right here. Not only his father Abraham, but his father God. And Abraham now has put Isaac there. He's bound him up. He's right there at the altar In verse 10 it says, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. you believe Abraham would have done it? Absolutely he would have done it. Do you think Abraham still believed that he and the lad would be back? Oh yeah, I believe he did. He pulled the knife back to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. I like that. From heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. I mean, he called his name twice. He wanted to make sure he didn't do the deed. He said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. You notice it was not a lamb, it was a ram. What did Abraham say to Isaac? Daddy, where is the lamb? God will provide for himself a lamb. That day, God provided a ram. Because the lamb was not going to come for another 2,000 years. Jesus Christ was the lamb that God had provided for himself. From that time through Moses all the way up until the day of crucifixion, men had provided for themselves many lambs and many rams, but there was only one lamb that God would provide for himself, and that was his son, Jesus Christ. And that is the lamb... Abraham spoke of when he said to his son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Look what it says in verse 14. 
He took, he took the lamb, he offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, and Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord shall be provided. Do you trust that God will provide, church? Do you really? Psalm 119 says, thy, lamp is a, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. How far ahead of you does a lamp shine? Just an oil lamp, not very far. Do you realize that the walk of faith that God calls us to is not a walk that always reveals the end? Sometimes we can only see what the light will shine before us. Sometimes it's only a step at a time. But we're called to continue taking step after step after step out of obedience. Do we have questions? Sure, we may have questions. But our questions must not, they cannot stop us from our obedience. Because trust inherently demands a response from me. Faith demands a response from us. It's not enough for us just to say we believe. But we need to trust. We need to have faith. Abraham had faith that God would provide. How do we know that? Because, because we know, go to, a, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. Verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with his sons. Verse 10, for he waited for the city, not a city, for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Do you think Abraham saw that city? Why would he wait? For a city if he had not seen a city. He didn't just imagine a city. He saw something. God had revealed something to him. And he saw something by the Spirit. By faith. He might not have understood how it was all going to come about. He might not have understood how God was going to make it all happen and, and exactly what his part was to play in it, but he saw something by faith. And that vision, that revelation that Abraham had was so real that he chose to dwell in tents. And he said, I'm going to wait for the city that I've seen, who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I want to ask you, church, are we any different today? Are we strangers and pilgrims on this earth? The answer is yes, we are. There is a huge difference, though, between us and Abraham. See, Abraham saw by faith what we now have experienced in reality. Go to John chapter 8. How do we know? How is Abraham so certain 
that him and Isaac would return after they worshipped on the mountain. Why did Abraham look for a city that he had seen, never settling for anything that this world, that this earth could offer? How could it be? How could he see that? How could he know that? Well, he did by faith. But I want you to see what Jesus says here in John chapter 8. Now, the whole chapter is good, but we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, so I've got to fast forward to the end of the chapter here. And in verse 55, John 8, 55, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, and he's just told them, he said, if you don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sins. Specifically, he says, Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. He said that up in verse 24. If you do not believe that I am, the he is not there in the original text. If you don't believe that I am. In verse 55, he, he continues. He's already made him really mad. Yet you have not known him. He's talking about the Father. But I know him. And if I say... I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. There it is right there. Jesus said, he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I now, now, that doesn't mean much to us, but to those Jews that Jesus was talking to, that was about the worst thing he could say. And, and it says, what's it say? They took up stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill him right there. Why? Because he had just proclaimed himself to be Almighty God. He said, if you don't believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He was glad to see my day. Now, you're not even 50 years old. You've never seen Abraham. He said, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Why was Abraham so certain when he went up to the mountain? Because Abraham saw Jesus in his day and he rejoiced. What day was it that he saw? He saw the day of his resurrection. He saw the resurrected Lord. How did he know that Isaac would be preserved somehow, some way? Because he knew that the promised seed was in Isaac. God made it very clear. And by the Spirit, Abraham saw the resurrected Christ. And he said, okay, I'm not a real smart dude, but I can put two and two together here. I already made one mistake. I'm not going to make another one. God says, this is the promised boy God said, the seed is in my boy here. And God said, he's going to multiply the seed. And I have seen by faith the product, the seed that was prophesied, the seed that was spoken of. The very first recorded prophecy in the Bible is Genesis 3.15. And the promised seed was Christ, the seed that would crush the head of the serpent. It was the seed that was in Isaac. It was the seed that brought forth Jesus Christ. Jesus is the seed. And Abraham saw by faith the resurrected Lord. And he said, I don't know. Somehow, some way, God's going to work all this out. Come on, Isaac, let's go. We're going to go worship, but we're going to come back. Where's the lamb, Daddy? God will provide for himself a lamb. 
And in seeing the resurrected Christ, I believe Abraham saw the crucified Christ. I believe he saw the buried Christ. I believe he saw the risen Christ. And when he saw the risen Christ, I believe he saw the city, the church, the redeemed of the Lord, the new Jerusalem whose foundations are the 12 apostles, whose gates are the 12 tribes, the very ones that would come, the 12 tribes that would come out of, of, of Abraham himself, out of Isaac, out of Jacob. He said, the promise is real. The promise shall be fulfilled. Church, we don't know how God's going to bring everything about, but we have a promise. And God has revealed to us the end. Our victory is not in question. Our end is not in question. Our life is not in question. Our salvation is not in question. You may question, why does God do this? Or why does God do that? But I'm telling you what, God is a trustworthy God. And we are called to trust Him. We might not know how we're going to get to point A to point Z, but God has promised, just like he did with Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to show you point Z, and it is the resurrected Christ. Trust me, Abraham, trust me. And you know what? Abraham did. He did, church. And what Abraham longed for, what Abraham waited for and saw by faith, we now live and experience Abraham only saw the resurrected Christ by faith in the Spirit. He only saw the new Jerusalem. He saw, but he didn't receive the promise. We have received it. Christ, the risen Christ, lives in us. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the church, the firstborn, the redeemed of the Lord. We are that city, that shining city on a hill We are it, church, Christ in us, the hope of glory. What Abraham wanted to see, what Isaac wanted to see, what Jacob waited for, what Moses wanted to see, but Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. Why? Because Moses represented the law, and the law would never bring us into the promise. Only grace would. Do you think it was an accident that Moses passed the baton to who? Yeshua, Joshua. The very same name of the Savior who would be born and come and die on a cross. And it would be that Yeshua, that Savior that would bring us into the promised land. Moses could only see it from a distance. But he's there now. But we have been given and we have received the promise by faith. We have no reason not to trust No reason not to trust. I don't care what God asks you to do. And I can promise you, I don't think God's going to ask you to offer your son up as a burnt offering. But he offered his own son, and thank God he did. But whatever God may ask, whatever life may bring our way, church, I'm telling you, God is trustworthy. He is faithful, and you can trust him. God is calling his church to rise up and become the people of faith that he has called us to be. God is calling his church to rise up and become the people of faith he has destined us to be. There's no other way. There's no other way. It's only by faith. 
you're not going to get all your questions answered. It's not going to always be the way you want it to be. God's not going to answer every prayer the way you want it to be answered, how you want it to be answered, when you want it to be answered. But I'm telling you what, God has given us a promise, and the promise is a sealed deal in Jesus Christ. Victory is not in question. Our future is not in question. Can you trust him? Do you trust him? What if you can only see one step at a time? Do you trust to keep taking the forward steps? Though you only have enough light to step one step at a time? Our temptation is to stop. But I'm going to tell you what, if you stop and God's still moving forward, you're going backwards. Our temptation is to go back to what was safe, what we know. But God didn't tell us to go back to Egypt. See, that's what the children of Israel wanted to do. But this wilderness stuff, this promised land stuff, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I think we ought to go back to Egypt. At least in Egypt, we knew what we had. We were at least comfortable there. We knew what to expect, but out here we don't know what to expect. This is too much for us, God. Moses, we're ready to go back. Do you know humanity has not changed one bit today? We still want to go back to our Egypt because it's comfortable. It may be hard. It may be nasty. It may be painful, but we will endure the hardship and the pain of Egypt because it's comfortable and convenient and known to us but we will not endure the unknown and keep walking by faith into what God has for us, even though he has already shown us the end of it and we know we have victory. Church, that doesn't make sense. You just use common sense and think about that for a little bit, you'll realize that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, but I don't know what's in between here and that end. That's all right, God does. And you can trust him. Faith, church. We're people of faith. We're called to live by faith. And you may find yourself in the days, the months, the weeks, the years to come having to exercise more faith than you've ever had to exercise before. And the question is, are you going to be ready to do it? See, if you don't start now, you won't be ready then. You're not going to just jump into some big thing. See, it's, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that we master that enable us to become master over bigger things and greater things. I didn't say that. That's what the scripture says. God's trustworthy. I want to encourage you to trust him. Your situation may not change immediately. But listen. Quit judging God by your situation. Just keep believing. Just keep trusting. God may understand why you're in the situation you're in, even when you do not. I met a young man yesterday, talked with him, who about two years ago injured his back severely. They were on fire for the Lord and, 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 and believe in God, and he got this breakthrough, and then, man, he injures his back, and he can't work anymore, and, and he's just devastated. He can't understand why, why God allowed this to happen. Well, part of the story is his parents and him were political refugees from Honduras, brought here under protection, and now they're trying to deport him back to Honduras. And the only reason he's not already incarcerated and not already sent back to Honduras is because of his back injury. 
And they decided not to even detain him so that he could get his back fixed. Only problem is the insurance company is dragging their feet. What was, what was a question of why God, why, has now become a huge blessing in his life because the very thing that he thought was a curse from the enemy is the very thing that's keeping him in this country with his family and giving him time to be able to get this thing straightened out. See, you don't know. You only think you know. I don't know. I only think I know. So I'm going to quit trying to figure it out. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to trust God. And when he says go, I'm going to go. When he says punt, I'm going to punt. When he says pass, I'm going to pass. When he says run around the end, I'm going to run around the end. Woo, I'm ready to watch the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. God knows how to get you to the end zone. He knows, church. That was cheesy, wasn't it? Man, that was bad. Take that out of the tape. Edit that out of the CD. I don't want that in there. (laughs) He's already made you a winner. Trust him, church. Trust him. Amen. Let's all stand.